suddenly we have somebody that we can move towards leadership. We can walk with them through a process of saying, I see this in you. These are the characteristics I've been looking for. Let's go. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to the One Line Discipleship Podcast. I am Brittany McColgan, and I am here with Nick Plassman. He's my partner in crime. Today, we are going right. to be talking about training and specifically multiplying leaders. So Nick is our resident expert. He's been doing this for multiple years. I won't date you how many years. <laughs> it's been a few. But lots and lots of good perspective, but also real life doing this and training. And you trained me in this way. And so I'm going to butt in a little bit and tell you my own personal perspective on this. And so I'm really excited that we're doing this today. Yeah, I, this, this is a culmination, a curation of some of the best practices that I've been able to experience on my own um, and also train uh, actually hundreds of pastors and churches over the last many years I've been able to refine a lot of this process. We, we've called it the apprentice model several times. It's, it's called the multiplying church model. It's called a couple different kinds of things. Really, these are the best practices um, that I've ever found at multiplying yourself in somebody else, which comes down to the core of what we do for discipleship. So uh, we're going to talk about everything from how do you identify somebody? What are the things you're looking for if you're looking for somebody to invest in, to multiply yourself in somebody else? And then what does that process of development look like? And we may even kind of wrap it up with that ongoing development of somebody else. Sure. So before we get started into all the details, um, I just wanted to kind of talk about how being on mission and discipleship in the church and one line, the whole point of being in our community and in our huddles and in our D group is to multiply, right? Absolutely. That is, that's exactly right. So this is coming at a perfect time for our church. Mm -hmm. We've seen so many new people coming Mm -hmm. in to the church, which is super exciting. Really exciting. That's right. And I'm freaking out because I'm thinking there's all these people that want to be loved and connected and to be discipled and to learn how to be a follower of Christ. And we have some amazing people already here in this building who should be leaders, (laughs) who should be encouraged to be leaders. And so I really am excited about this specific podcast because I think that there are some people out there who disqualify themselves and I want them to hear this. That's right. A lot of people do that. Yeah. And I also want the Holy Spirit to prompt them. Maybe I should start to talk to Nick. What does this look like? Mm. What are next steps? Mm -hmm. And also for already huddle leaders that have established groups, let's do this. Let's find a leader, one leader in your group. I know there's probably more than one, but that we can start this process because when you become a leader, your discipleship process keeps going. That's right. In fact, as a leader, when you are developing somebody else or when you're helping develop somebody else, oftentimes you become a much better leader because of that. Amen. Because, yeah, they're pushing you. They're asking tough questions. They're sharpening your leadership skills as well. Yes. Yeah. So, okay, you brought up so many good points there. I don't even know where to begin. But uh, <laughs> one of the things I would say is we've said it before. Brad said it in his podcast. We absolutely believe it. Being a disciple means we're making disciples. That's not like mm-hmm. a thing, hey, if it's convenient or, hey, if you feel specially gifted to do this, it's literally every one of us is called to do that. Mm-hmm. Now, to your point, a lot of people feel inadequate. I'm not qualified. Well, what does that even mean? Being a follower of Jesus means you're qualified to walk with somebody else through whatever is going on. Miss Kathy last week talked to us about how uh, 
walking with somebody in relationship was discipleship for her before she even knew what discipleship was. I love oh, that. Me too. I loved so much. Yeah. And so as we think about how do we develop somebody in discipleship, what we're trying to do this morning is give you a simple process of what it looks like to identify somebody so that you can walk with them and then develop them and release them so they can do it again. Here's the thing I think that's interesting. I think there's been a big shift. And I think it's happened in my lifetime, which I'm 41, I'll be 42 in December. <laughs> oh, I said I wasn't gonna date you. Oh, it's okay, I'm gonna okay. date myself. Oh, you're Listen, doing it. my birthday's coming. I'm a big fan of my birthday. Yes. December 17th, I will turn 42. Love my birthday. Getting it started now, might as well get started early. Yeah. Okay, so uh, in my lifetime, there has been a shift from what role can I volunteer for, from that to why me? Why should I volunteer for that role? Ooh. They wanna, they've moved from simply giving time to something to wanting to, it to be purposeful. It's been a societal shift. It's been an, uh, a shift in identity and purpose. And I love it, but it means we have to be more intentional with how we make an ask. You used to be able to just say, hey, does anybody want to volunteer for this? And you would get people that would raise their hand. Now it's more that people want to know why, why uniquely are they a good fit for that area. And so not just within the church, but anywhere in the world, what's their purpose? So instead of just asking for volunteers within our family ministry, we want to know uh, why would they be a good fit for family ministry or why would they be a good fit for adult ministry, student ministry, whatever. Let's talk about discipleship. We need to have a conversation with them that points out, I see this potential in you. And it's a powerful phrase. I call it license plate language, but it's the I see in you. And I actually believe if you practice this I see in you in other people's lives, it could have a life-altering impact on them. Because I think too rarely in this world, even though we want to know the specifics and purpose of our life, we don't actually initiate that kind of purposeful conversation enough. And we don't often find ourselves encouraging other people with intentional conversation. I think it's kind of a unique thing. And when somebody does it, we're like, wow, they do see potential in me. It's it very impactful. Powerful, yeah. It becomes a powerful thing. And so when we see something in somebody else, I, this is your first kind of checkbox on discipleship journey today is share with them what you see and it will make an impact on them. So have a conversation, I see this in you and it will be a very, very beautiful conversation. My encouragement with an I see in you conversation is be specific, don't be ambiguous. Don't Can you say, give me an example? Yeah, yeah, don't say, I think you'd be really good at that, Brittany. If I'm, if I'm having that conversation with you, I think you'd be really good at that, Brittany. Say, Brittany, I've seen you interact with people, you make them feel really loved. Just last week when you were talking to that brand new family, they moved from being feeling new and feeling like this is a new space to feeling welcome. They had a friend and suddenly they had an advocate, somebody they knew when they walked in and you encouraged them. You found a common space where um, you both were from the same town. And that's a, that's a great way for you to connect with people. I seen you somebody who is a bridge for people to feel connected and loved. So you're, you're moving from ambiguity to specificity and it makes a big impact on people's lives when you do that. Yeah, I mean, even just that it, Example. That was a real life example. Yeah, that it actually happened. happened. <laughs> yeah, but like just the fact that you you saw me. I mean, I think we go through our day, think, or even our weeks without being truly seen, and mm. um, that's something that God does for us. Is He sees us, He knows us so personally. But the fact that someone else who is chasing after God sees me too to give me that encouragement. It makes me want to do it 10 times more. <laughs> and like, I'm ready to like go on mission with you. I'm ready to fight for this. Yeah. Being specific makes a huge impact on people. 
So that's the first step, is have an I see new conversation with somebody that you see potential in, and it will have a radically different impact on them than saying something just kind to them or nice of them. You're specifically seeing something you've seen. Do you have to have this multiple times? Or are we kind of, or is this I see in you and then you're like, let's do this. I have something, <laughs> I have a, a purpose for you, a yeah. job, let's, you know. Th those are great questions. I think I love the practice of I see in you anyway because it creates a, okay. a beautiful culture around people. You're constantly seeing um, areas in people's lives that maybe others haven't seen. Yeah. I, oh, mm -hmm. So I think it's just, it's a great thing to do. Um, when you're looking for somebody for something specific, rather than simply recruit them for a role, I would encourage you to identify a couple key factors before you invite them to walk with you. Because leadership development isn't about training somebody for a task as much as it is investing in them so they can become a multiplying leader themselves. Mm, okay, like so we're that. moving away from a task and seeing God's potential in them. Okay, so here's the three things I want everybody to have, the must-haves, the starting point. Um, in that process, I want them to be teachable. I want them to be open to feedback. I want them to be willing to have a conversation about who they are, who you are, and who each, each of us see each other as, and be willing to learn. That's it. I want them to be teachable. That's one. The second thing is I want them to have spiritual velocity. And that's kind of a strange phrase, but really it's the word velocity is a, a two-part definition. It is uh, movement plus direction. So some people think spiritual velocity means it's just somebody moving really fast in their faith. Mm. No, it just means somebody is moving towards something. And I want them to be moving towards Jesus. That's it. And so it doesn't matter how long they've been a follower of Jesus. As long as they're moving towards Jesus, we can begin the journey with them. I like that. So they're teachable. They're moving towards Jesus. And the third one is they see potential in others. So often I come across a person who's very talented, but they love to discredit the people around them. And, and maybe that's helped them in their career, but it certainly doesn't help them in the kingdom of God move the kingdom forward. That's and a great point. They may be grenade throwers, like they'll lob painful things in a conversation or they'll pick somebody apart before they see their potential. And so if we can start with somebody who's teachable, they're moving towards Jesus, and they see the potential in others around them, well, suddenly we have somebody that we can move towards leadership. We can walk with them through a process of saying, I see this in you. These are the characteristics I've been looking for. Let's go. So there is a process that we call uh, the apprentice model. It's a five-step process that moves you from uh, adding a leader to multiplying a leader. And those are big differences too. A lot of places I've worked with and helped before, they can recruit somebody. They see potential in somebody. They recruit them and get them involved. But rarely do they, do they recruit them in a way that that makes them a multiplying leader. Somebody who makes a leader, who those leaders make leaders, those leaders make leaders. And there's a place in scripture that talks about this multiplication of leadership. It comes from 2 Timothy 2.2, and it's when Paul is actually talking to Timothy. And he says this really interesting thing. He says, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. So he's saying, hey, you've been watching me say these things in front of a lot of people. And then he kind of gives this, this next step to him. He says, um, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. And the reason that moves from addition to multiplication is because Paul is sharing this with Timothy, first generation to second generation leader. And then Timothy, the second generation, should be entrusting to reliable people. 
second generation and third generation. And those reliable people should be qualified to teach others third generation and fourth generation. We're talking about four generations of leadership in one passage of scripture. And so it's moving from simply adding one person time to thinking about as we develop people, we're releasing them to become developers as well. I mean, at this rate, we're going to have a church full of amazing leaders. <laughs> well, that would be amazing. Yeah. Yes. I would love that. Yeah. And, and we're going to need to, if we're going to care for the kingdom, we have to realize that it's not, it's not reliant on the few. It really is all of us have within us the ability to disciple somebody and develop somebody and walk with somebody. Just like you said, uh, ministry and discipleship are relationships. And it doesn't necessarily have to be someone that walks into this building that you disciple. Oh, that's a really good point. Because there have been times where I have had discipleship conversations with people who haven't even walked in these front doors and I'm trying to get them in the front doors, but it has to happen somewhere else out in the world before I can get them in. That's right. And maybe they won't. Here's an interesting characteristic or nuance to that. I think a lot of times we think discipleship starts after you like cross all your T's and dot all your I's. Mm -hmm. After you get baptized, after you're all in, after all this new stuff happens, then you become discipled. No way. Discipleship starts the moment you interact with somebody. It's the moment that you evangelize somebody. Alan Hirsch talks about it in uh, Untamed. He says that evangelism is discipleship. It's not something that waits until later. It is something that begins the moment you start talking to somebody. That's an intentionality. Yes. And at that, at this point, anybody can do it. That well, we we are we are already doing it. We talked about that a little bit with Miss Kathy. That we're always discipling somebody, but what are we discipling them into? Are they are they being discipled into the rhythms of Jesus, or are they being discipled into things other than that? Um, there is a process. It's a simple five step process that I was talking about. Yeah. And it's not easy because we're dealing with people, right? And everybody's <laughs> different, comes from different backgrounds. Mm-hmm. But it is simple. And simple and easy are not the same thing. So so here's the simple process. It's five steps. The first step is I do, you watch, and we talk. And it's super simple. I'm just going to lead in the way I was leading. I want you to watch me, and I want to talk about it. I want to, What did you observe? What were the things that, that you saw me do that you're curious about or that you noticed that were good or, or maybe you're challenged by some of that? It's just a conversation of what you observed in that space. Step one, I do, you watch, we talk. The second step is... When you're ready to move to that step, it doesn't mean it's the next meeting or the next time when you're ready. Sure. Is I do and you're, you help, we talk. And so you're simply helping me do what you've observed me doing all along. And then we're talking about it. What did you learn? What, was, what felt good about that? What was challenging for you? In the conversation, we're having, that, we're having the conversation about what the experience was like. Uh, so that's step two. Step one, I do, you watch, we talk. Step two, I do, you help, we talk. Step three, you do. I help, we talk. Now there's a shift. You're actually owning the leadership, but I'm right there helping you. So it's not scary. It's not scary. It might be a little bit, but you're, you're not alone. You're yeah. not just thrown into the pack mm-hmm. and hopefully you survive. And we're talking about that. What does that experience look like? Uh, the fourth step is you do and I watch and then we talk. A lot of people skip this step because they feel like the person they're developing, their apprentice, is ready to go. And, and they are for the most part. But that time is really necessary because it gives the confidence for the person who's being developed to lead confidently before you move on to the next person. But that's not the last step. You would think that's the last step. The last step is the most important step. It is you do and someone else watches and then you both talk. 
And that's when you move from adding a leader Mm. to multiplying yourself in another leader because the person you've walked with is now working on a new leader and it's time for you to go identify somebody else. And that's so beautiful because it is a relational journey of discipleship. And it's ongoing. Happens, yeah, it's not something that you do it and you stop, it's something you can continue to do. And, And the thing we talked about early on, you become a better leader when you do that. Absolutely. Because somebody else is watching you, somebody else is asking you questions, and your leadership, your intentionality becomes more and more and so that, that's, that's my favorite way to develop leaders. I've actually seen you do this to me, and I feel like you sneak attacked me. <laughs> I'm really into the sneak attack lately. Um, but I think that we were halfway through this process, and I had no idea there was a process. Mm. And then when you, you and I were talking about the process, I thought, wow, this seems so seamless. And I had no idea that it was an actual step-by-step process that you had in your head. And so I think that it's a great tool for somebody who is in leadership. Um, And also, it's so impactful for the person that they're doing it with. The idea that I am to disciple people continually until the end is so new for me, but so exciting. Because I knew going into parenthood, I was to disciple them. That's right. And I knew going into, you know, a leadership position at our old church that those are my people that God gave me to disciple. But just even in this conversation today, the fact that I put two and two together as I was speaking, I was kind of talking to myself that I am to disciple others here in the church and out there. And I think that any of these tools that we talked about, just this part one of how to create leaders. Multiplying leaders, they, not just leaders, but yes, multiplying leaders. but multiplying them yeah. is for everyone, not just for the huddle leader. That's right. I think we, realize, we, we fail to realize sometimes that discipleship is something, and I, I said it earlier, I'll just reiterate it, that's already happening. We just have to decide what are we discipling people towards. Oh. That is killing me right now (laughs) in like the best way, but it's killing me. Thank you for giving us some step-by-step things, some really tangible things that we can start out with. Um, Tell us where we're going to go because this is only part one. Absolutely. So today we talked about identifying a leader, uh, recruiting them, and then walking through that development process with them. So the ICNU, the teachability, spiritual velocity, potential, and others, and then the five steps of apprenticeship. Uh, we still have some conversation to have around what does the ongoing journey look like, around what does it look like to have a one-on-one conversation, a one-on-one meeting, uh, what does the rhythm of that look like, and then also what are some conversations we can have uh, that would continue to care about that person you're developing in all the areas of their life. Because sometimes we separate our spiritual life from everything else, and the truth is all of it is spiritual if God truly created us and we know and believe that he did, the world is God's creation. So let's make sure we have a holistic approach to how we view somebody else's life because all of those elements of our life matter as we continue to grow in our own discipleship. We will have a part two to this multiplying leadership dream. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. This was Nick Plassman, the one and only leadership trainer, <laughs> and we will see you next week. All right, guys. See you later.